Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope it's a payday for you. It is Friday, and it's uh, Maroon Friday, which means that uh, we get to rep the brand. We get to go out and show the world that we are Mississippi State Bulldogs and we are proud to be affiliated with such a fine athletics program. As a matter of fact, Mississippi State, the finest athletic programs in the entire state of Mississippi, bar none. I'm glad you could join us today. Hope that you're able to celebrate Maroon Friday as you wish. we got a lot to feel good about right now. A lot to feel good about. Been a good week. Good week for Mississippi State so far. National Signing Day has come and gone. And we get through that as we discussed on uh, the Wednesday night show. We get through that unscathed. We get through that 
with everything going according to plan. We haven't always been able to say that. There have been many times where we have simply endured National Signing Day kind of knowing that at least one thing was going to go wrong. And I remember last year thinking, you know, if we could just get through this deal like other people do, you know, how normal would that be to just have a break every now and again, not to have to go through signing day fearing you're going to lose a player, fearing that a guy's not going to sign, fearing a guy's going to prolong the process. You know, it's nice for this time to get it done. And that, you know, listen, you got to give Jim Moorhead and staff a lot of credit. They went through a very difficult October, navigated through some very difficult circumstances, had many of our own folks out there the day of the Egg Bowl saying that Joe Moorhead was out, forced some of the recruits to kind of come out and defend their coach, Dylan Johnson among them, said, this is my coach. Garrett Schrader comes out in the postgame press conference saying, you know what, we're going to win a lot more football games together. But despite all of that, despite all the social media experts and all the commentary and, and all the message board comments, Joe Moorhead and his staff hold the class together. Incredibly. Hold it together. Add a couple of big commitments down the stretch with Brandon Ruiz, grad transfer out of Arizona State, will come in and hopefully be your kickoff specialist, or at the very least provide some competition at the position. And then to Cameron Richardson, a guy that many people tell me they believe is a future NFL guy if he stays healthy and works hard. So again, that day after signing day is really a day like no other. And for those of you that are emotionally invested in recruiting, and guys like myself and Paul Jones that spent so much time, you know, watching film and calling kids and, you know, working sources and that sort of stuff, it's nice to have that day when you kind of see it all happen and then you can kind of exhale a little bit because our concern is a little different. You know, it's like on Tuesday, we're thinking, I just really want things to go well because I don't want the message board to explode on Wednesday. I don't want social media to explode on Wednesday. I don't want to have to deal with all of that stuff. And I remember Paul Jones and I were in the, uh, in the war room, you know, in the recruiting lounge on Wednesday and uh, kind of comparing notes and some things we were hearing. And I said, you know, this Tyrus Wheat thing could, could really be a, uh, you know, a wrench in the day. And, and Paul looked at me and he says, you know, Steve, he said, if Tyrus Wheat flips to Baylor, no matter how good things go with everybody else, no matter the fact you get Malik Keith, no matter the fact you keep Tulu and Emmanuel Forbes, if you lose Tyrus Wheat to Baylor, it's going to put a damper on the whole day. And he is absolutely right. And at that point, I remember thinking, man, there's no way this can happen. There's just no way this can happen. And fortunately, it didn't happen. And so we're feeling great about life. We're feeling great about our class. And now the bulk of the Bulldog Hall is in the boat. And so now your Mississippi State coaching staff can focus and train their ideas and focus and energies and all their attention, save a few spots on the 2021 class and really has a chance to get out of the gate Great receiver class, Antonio Harmon, Isaiah Brever, many others. Deion Smith really liked this wide receiver class. Uh, and State needs some. We need some. So you feel pretty good about the fact that you can kind of get a head start there. But also, too, 
with the remaining positions that are priorities in this class, you don't, you're not out there chasing seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys. You're looking at three to four guys. That's what you're working on. And as I, I shared on Wednesday show, offensive line, outside linebacker, and an older safety if you can find one. And then if not, you go uh, best available. And then we'll see. We'll see what happens. Still think there's a chance they sign Alex Adams. Matter of fact, I crystal balled him in state. Spoke to Alex last weekend at Mississippi Alabama All-Star Practices, and he said, you know what, I'm going to sign in February. I'm thinking long and hard about going back to state. That'd be nice. One of the top ten players in the state of Mississippi. It'd be nice to get him back. You know, And even if he has to go to junior college for a couple of years, you know what, you want him. And I understand that there is a possibility that he can make it. So we'll see how things develop. I think you go out there and you recruit, recruit the talent, hope for the best, and you know you review those transcripts, and if he's on track, you go get him. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Two locations now to serve you in Starkville and Tupelo on University Drive here in Starkville and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. A lot of great options to choose from. Love going in there. I encourage you to get at Spring Rolls. Matter of fact, I had a guy come to Book signing tonight at Book Martin Cafe, and he said, "You know what, Steve? I uh, I went by Bulldog Burger Company, and I had the Smokehouse, and I had I had the Spring Rolls, and you're exactly right. Love the place. Had a great experience. Really enjoy having a chance to meet with people. And there's so many people that say, "Hey, you know what, Steve? I went and tried Bulldog Burger Company for the first time because I heard about it on your show. So thank you again. Thank you to so many of you that have frequented our sponsors and made them part of your Starville experience when you come to town." And Bulldog Burger Company is a must-stop. That is a destination when you come to Stark Vegas for a ball game or, or you're just traveling through on business or it's a family day. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So since we have been together, because we have committed so much time talking recruiting, I'm going to jump into a couple of other things. And let's, let's not talk about recruiting for a little bit. Mississippi State men's basketball went to work Wednesday night. Was not a pretty ball game. Halftime score, Radford leads Mississippi State Humphrey Coliseum 42-38. The defensive pressure gets cranked up in the second half. State outscores them 39-26 to seal a 77-68 victory. Mississippi State, not a very good defensive team on the perimeter. And that's one of those things too. I think I think it's kind of a, uh, and maybe it's one of those things that you know everybody's got a little something. I think Ben Howen is kind of content to let you sit out there and chunk from outside because it is a low percentage shot, and occasionally you're going to have some nights when somebody gets hot, and that was kind of the case. Fifteen of thirty-two from a three-point line for Radford. Three and seven, Radford. They went out there and shot it pretty well. Mississippi State just 4 of 14 from 3. So Radford made more three-pointers than Mississippi State attempted. Yeah, and these, I, I've said that before on the show. When you've got people on the fence, and there are a lot of people for some reason that are still on the fence about Mississippi State men's basketball. I'm not. I think this is a fun team to watch. And listen, there are some times that I, I think Ben Howen lets the game kind of get away. 
doesn't, doesn't always use his timeouts the way that I think he should, but you know what? He didn't ask me. He's never pulled me aside after a press briefing and said, hey, Steve, listen, I thought maybe I let the game go a possession or two too long before I called the timeout. What were you thinking there? He had he had never asked me that. But Ben Howen's our coach, and Reggie Perry's our guy, and Robert Woodard's our guy, and I feel good about our team. And I think we've got a chance to put some big things together. But when you have a game like this, and maybe we maybe we slept walk through it thinking, you know what, it's just Radford. It's just Radford. I don't know that we're good enough to treat anybody like it's just Radford. I don't know that we're experienced enough to just show up and go win a ball game. And my hope is we'll learn a lesson from this. Bulldogs will be back in action on Sunday, December 22nd, in the Mississippi Coliseum there in Jackson. The return of Nick Weatherspoon against New Mexico State. But looking at the numbers from uh, Wednesday night, Reggie Perry throws in 18 points, leads Mississippi State, pulls down nine rebounds, three blocks, pair of turnovers, six of six from the line. Way to go, big fella. Did miss his two three-point attempts. I don't know that Mississippi State wins the game without Abdul Do. And this is, uh, I guess, three good games in a row for him. Pair of double-doubles. He's five of nine from the floor, seven of nine from the free throw line. And you know what? If people are going to play the hack-a-shack off defense against Abdul, that's that's great. Pulls down 12 rebounds, scores 17 points. You, you get him going. <laughs> It opens up a lot of options for you on the floor. It's amazing how the game changes when people can't, you know, can use five to defend four. Abdul will do making plays. DJ Stewart again in the starting lineup. Four of eight from the floor. One of two from the three-point line. One of two from the line. Pulls down three rebounds. Scores ten points. Led the team with 36 minutes, five seconds of action. Robert Woodard, a solid game. You know, he's had some games where he's been kind of hit or miss. This was a hit game. Six of eight, two of two from the three-point line, three of four from the line, nine rebounds, 17 points. That dog will hunt right there. Four steals on a night, too. How about that? Active hands for the big guy. So you had four players scoring double figures. Perry, Adu, Stewart, and then Robert Woodard. Tyson Carter, not a great night from the floor. One of 11. 0 of 4 from three-point line, 7 of 7 from the free-throw line, 9 points, 1 rebound, and 32 minutes of action. Handed out 4 assists and 3 turnovers. Not a great night for Tyson. But how great is it to win a ball game when you don't get a lot of production out of your shooting guard? Played a lot of the point there. Iverson Molinar still kind of going through an adjustment here. Not a big ball game for him either. We're figuring it out. It's going to be a different team with Nick back. I think you're going to see Tyson Carter get back on track offensively because of the fact that Nick Weatherspoon is such a threat with the ball in his hands that he can beat you off the bounce. He can hit from outside. He can get to the rim. You're going to have to respect him. And I think he is a guy that will be able to drive and penetrate and then dish out to guys like Tyson Carter. I think you're going to see Tyson Carter really get back on track with Nick Weatherspoon back in the lineup. It seemed to me, you know, looking at this stuff, watching the game 
uh, you know, on the app. It's one of those things, too, you look at with Mississippi State that uh, we have a tendency at times to kind of play down to our level of competition. Now, give Radford some credit. They came out. They were hot. Made a lot of big things happen. They didn't show Mississippi State any respect. But when the game was on the line, State found a way. State got out there and played well. Put the game away late. That's what that's what good teams do. You find a way to win even when you don't play well. 6,101 is the announced attendance there. There's no way there were that many people, but thank you for your contribution to Mississippi State men's basketball. Hopefully, we can fill the hump uh, for these conference games. We'll be back sooner rather than later. And again, Mississippi State in action this Sunday, December 22nd, at the Coliseum there in Jackson. Again, the return of Nick Weatherspoon. Ladies, back in action tonight, Thursday night. Struggled for a while against a South Florida team that is now 7-5 on the year. Did not appear that Mississippi State fully ready to go. It was a tussle for a while. State jumps out to a big lead, and then the next thing you know, they kind of creep back into it. But again, Mississippi State still kind of finding a sense of themselves. Running the numbers here, Chloe Bibby, your leading scorer with 21 total points. Five of seven from three. That'll get it done. Jessica Carter, 15 points. Rakia Jackson with 17. We're beginning to see the maturation of Rakia Jackson right before our eyes. She's a great player. We knew she would be. Maya Taylor, just one of seven from the floor. Missed a couple free throws. You'll have to run laps for that. Just two points on the night. Also, more turnovers than assists. That's something that's not going to work. Jordan Danbury, however, did run some at the point. Five assists, just the one turnover. Also pitched in 12 points. As this young team kind of begins to find a, an identity, you know, Jordan Danbury is you know someone that's going to be kind of asked to to, uh, to really do a great job to kind of lead this team. And I don't necessarily know that that's who Joe is. You know, she's not the real vocal rah-rah. You know, like Morgan William, despite her diminutive size, Morgan would go get in your face. Morgan, despite being kind of quiet off the floor, uh, you know, Morgan was somebody that, you know, she ran the show. She was never disrespectful or anything like that. I don't mean to go get in your face. But what I'm saying is that she... While she was a smaller person, she had a big voice on the team. She was a leader. When she said, we're going to go win the ball game, she generally wouldn't win the ball game. I don't know that that's who Joe is. You know, I think Joe is more of kind of a lead-by-example type person. We're going to need her to be a little more vocal. But we're beginning to get some contributions from these younger players, but it is going to kind of take some time to kind of figure this thing out. State pours it on late. Holds South Florida to just 24 points in the second half. Eight points in the fourth quarter. Pull away 86-61. to 61. The ladies are, you know, listen, we're a work in progress. And I know a lot of our fans are thinking, you know, you know I was with some folks tonight. And they're like, you know what, hey, we're not going to make the, the Final Four this year. We're not even going to make the Elite Eight. And you know what, that's okay. You know, it's probably a little bit... Uh, 
lofty of an expectation for us. But we're out there in Vegas. We'll try to go win this tournament. We're going to play, um, the, I guess, the uh, the winner of the UNLV Virginia game. Be back in action December 29th, back in Starkville. That's the final non-conference game before we open up January 2nd against Florida. It's a Thursday night game. Let's go ahead and begin to kind of make some plans. For those of you not making the trip to Nashville to be a part of the crowd for the Music City Bowl, you'll have some entertainment and some rooting interest right here in Stark Vegas. Again, it's Sunday, December 29th. And maybe if you're just passing through, it's just a four-hour drive to Nashville. Maybe you stop by and watch the ladies take down Little Rock and then drive on to Nashville, spend the night, and get up and go watch the Bulldogs play uh, on on uh, Monday. So we'll see. But again, Mississippi State wins in men's basketball and women's basketball has the good signing day. And now we kind of look ahead to what else remains. Pretty excited about what is to come for both of those teams. There has been a lot of discussion about draft grades. Now, I don't have all of the details, but I have been told by a source that I trust. There were five players, of course, and Joe Moore had told us that there were five guys that applied for their draft grades. Those are defensive end Marky Spencer, linebacker Errol Thompson, linebacker Willie Gay, cornerback Cameron Dantzler, and running back Colin Hill. You are you can't get draft grades on everybody. You can submit up to five. Mississippi State submitted all five. And I understand that Jim Moorhead will now meet with the families and kind of make some uh, decisions as they move forward. Now, Colin Hill has already declared that he plans to forego his senior year. However, I'm told that he has not signed with an agent. If he had signed with an agent, he wouldn't be able to play the Music City Bowl. But he will take some time to consider... Cameron Dantzler has already made the decision. If you've seen his social media, you see he's already beginning to get some gifts, beginning to get the opportunity to get some endorsements. He is done as a college football player. We wish him the best. I am told that most of the grades, most of the reports, are expected to or have already stated that the player should return to school. I don't expect Willie Gay, Earl Thompson, or Marquis Spencer to turn pro. Of course, we've been surprised with that sort of thing before. I think Colin Hill is still leaning towards going out. Obviously, he's made the declaration. He took the tweet down, as some suggested. But I do believe that he's going to go out unless he reconsiders. And he still has some time to consider that. But Cameron Dantzler is gone. I don't want to give you any false hope at this point. I do expect Kaiwan to keep his name in the draft. But there is the possibilities. Until he signs with an agent, there is always a chance to withdraw from the draft. We've got some time to figure all that out. But again, based on what I have heard, that the NFL Draft Advisory Board is advising that the majority of those players return to school. I don't believe any of them will get a first or second grade eval. I don't think that'll be what they get. You may be aware of this, that um, Louisville offensive lineman, Makai Becton, also not going to play in the ballgame. Makai Becton is one of the biggest football players in the history of the world. If you have not seen Louisville play, 
you don't fully appreciate what I'm talking about. Makai Becton is over six foot seven and in excess of 360 pounds. And despite his advanced girth, he is a very quick and agile football player. Now, he will need to trim up a good bit to handle the speed rushers of the National Football League. But for a guy his size, he moves really well. The fact that he is not playing in the bowl game is a huge advantage for Mississippi State. I am told that if Becton gets in shape and trims up a little bit, that he could potentially be a first-round draft pick. That's the kind of ability that he has. It's difficult to find quality tackles. But when you've got a guy with those measurables, and if he will really commit himself, and that's one of the reasons that he's not playing in a bowl game, is to commit himself to get himself in the best physical condition of his life, then he has an opportunity to kind of work his way into some first or second round consideration. But he is a very, very, very talented player, and I am very, very thankful that we won't see him. That is perfectly okay with me. You know, the last time that uh, we played Louisville, they had some players miss the game as well. Mississippi State currently favored in that ball game. The line opened at three and a half, and most books have it at four. I saw one earlier that had it at four and a half. And so I expect that to grow a little bit. I don't think it's going to be one of those things that, uh, you know, continues to swell. They'll want action on both sides of the line, so you might see the line move up and down just a little bit. But State will be favored in that ball game. I don't think, and for good reason. There was some talk early on, that, and again, that's one of the things that I have learned you got to go check for yourself. A lot of these people in social media don't know how to read the odds, and so they put out there, hey, well, you know, this team is favored when they're not. This game opened at three and a half. As I told you, it's gone to four with most books. But, uh, you know, if it's an, I'm not a betting person, but if I were, I, I would probably take the over in this game. I suspect that we're going to see – Mississippi State scores some points behind that running game, and I think that you're going to see uh, Louisville have a chance to put some points up as well. They have some players on offense that are interesting. You know, it's one of those things, too, when you look at all these, these teams that we don't see that often, you don't always have a great working knowledge of their roster. Now, we played these guys just two years ago, but that was a veteran team. That's a team that had Lamar Jackson on it. There are a lot of guys out there that um, you know were, were kind of coming into a sense of themselves. But that was a really good Louisville team that we that we beat. We're gonna have to find a way to do it again. And I don't know that this team is anywhere near as talented as that one. And I don't just mean from the quarterback position. I think there are a lot of players on this team that uh, are a little bit inexperienced. And listen, Scott Satterfield is a good coach. He's a great coach. Done a great job there. Did a great job at Appalachian State. But we're going to see some different, you know, you're going to have some opportunities to see some different formations. You're going to see some more exotic things. They, they're they a team that likes to throw the football around a little bit. You know, Satterfield, one of those guys, too, kind of a spread coach that uh, considered by many to be a little bit of an, an offensive guru. That name gets, that, that gets thrown around a lot. You know, that's one of those things we hear a lot. Makai Cunningham 
Mikhail Cunningham, pardon me, uh, beat out Jawan Pass. Jawan Pass was a guy that Dan Mullen recruited to be the quarterback at Mississippi State. Didn't work out. He signed on with Louisville, but he has lost a job to Mikhail Cunningham. Mikhail Cunningham, but why is it so difficult to say? But uh, Cunningham has had a good year. Uh, 61.29% passing, thrown for 1,782 yards and 20 touchdowns against five interceptions. Good player. On the running side of things, Javion Hawkins, 1,420 yards rushing for eight touchdowns, averaging 118.33 yards a game. They want to get him in space. Cunningham also a real dual threat guy. They're going to run a lot of concepts that we've that we've seen that we're very familiar with. Cunningham ran for over 400 yards himself, and six touchdowns. But he is kind of a compliment guy. You know, he he's not a guy that they're going to go out there and just have a ton of design quarterback runs for. But uh, he's going to run it a little bit. Probably run it, you know, nine to ten times a game. But just enough to keep you honest. And he's athletic enough to really hurt you. Now, when you look at this receiving core, there are some guys out here that uh, that have put up some big numbers. Let's just say it that way. Shatarius uh, Adwell, number one. Everybody's talking about this kid. 5'9", 153 pounds, former quarterback at Miami Northwestern. In case you're wondering... That is the Miami Northwestern that is the, an absolute power. An absolute power in South Florida. 5'9", 150 pounds, will just simply run right by people. You know, we talk about length, we talk about size, we talk about physicality. But the one attribute that corners worry about the most is speed. And Adwell is a guy that can just simply run right by you. 1,125 yards receiving, 12 touchdowns, averaging just under 100 yards a game receiving. So who do you put on a guy like that? What do you do to take him away? I don't know if State has anybody can really run with him. Jaquarius Landry's probably could. But the way this guy moves around, I mean, would you, do you shadow him? Would your safety? That, that could you know cause some schematic issues. Des Fitzpatrick is a guy that uh, has had a, a quality season for them as well. Des Fitzpatrick, more of the bigger X-type receiver. Redshirt junior from Farmington Hills, Michigan. 6'2", 205 pounds. He's pulled in 33 passes for just under 600 yards and six touchdowns. A good complimentary receiver, but a really an X. Doug get out and move the football around a little bit. They spread it around a good bit. Seth Dawkins, another guy, 6'3", 218 pounds, senior out of Columbus, Ohio. 16 catches, 348 yards, three touchdowns. So really, if you look at this, it's uh, it's boiled down to them getting the ball into their playmaker's hands. Chatarius Atwell, Chatarius Atwell, obviously their guy in the uh, receiving game. And then Javion Hawkins has had a huge year for them, and he is just a Richard freshman.
they've got some pieces offensively. Now, defensively, it is an absolute disaster against the run. Former Grenada High School safety C.J. Avery leads Louisville with 84 tackles. Now playing an inside linebacker position, there were a lot of people that felt like his foot speed would, ne would necessitate a position change. He's made the move. He has embraced it. He's doing a good job. That was one of the things way back when people said, you know what, I worry about his foot speed, playing in space. He's bulked up a little bit, doing a good job for them, leading them in tackles. He has 84. So does Errol Thompson to give you an idea of what his productivity has looked like. That said, they're very, very, very porous against the run. Very, 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 very bad against the run. Let's pull up some numbers here and talk about that just a little bit. Just because I think it's important that you guys kind of get a, a full understanding of how bad this run, this run defense is. There are a lot, of, a lot of teams out there that have had some success running the football. And listen, you know, we're a 6-6 six and six team. They're a 7-5 and five team. You know, neither one of us is really setting the woods on fire. You can pick a party to one of us. So let me frame this up for you just a little bit. There are 130 Division I football teams in college football. Louisville is 115th in the country in rush defense, allowing 210 yards per game. So running through this list here to, to kind of give you an idea of who is comparable to them, Vanderbilt comes in at 114. Arkansas is right there at 121. So just six spots removed from where Louisville is in rush defense, there's Arkansas. Who put, you know, one of the worst defenses that we've seen in recent memory on the field. And that's what Chief calling the plays at Arkansas. They've allowed 221 yards. So basically just under 11 yards more than Louisville. State should be able to run football. Should be able to run with some success. I don't. I don't think you get cute. I think you line up and you go get them. You line up and you go make them stop the run. This is you know the ACC. If, if, if that's one thing. If if you can play some defense in that league, you win a lot of ball games. It's not the scoring league at times that that the SEC is. And and Louisville has really struggled. In that respect, they have really struggled holding opponents down. Kentucky, as we discussed on the show before, absolutely destroyed them. One pass. One pass, darn. Listen, it was a crappy day. Okay, I get it. Not going to sit here and say that, you know what, it was uh, an excuse because both teams played on the same field that day. It's not, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, Kentucky was uh, had an advantage just because of the fact that they were able to run the football. They ran the football with some success because of the fact this Louisville defense is not very good. We mentioned there are 130 Division I football teams. Louisville is 107th in total defense, allowing 446 yards a game. And again, to put that in perspective, Arkansas is right there at 111. So this is going to be a defense that is comparable to what we saw at Arkansas. 
you may recall what State did at Arkansas. And, and you know, to, as a little bit of an aside here, too, we, we, we've talked about Chad Morris being relieved of his duties at Arkansas. For some reason, and one of my good friends and I have had this discussion many times, for some reason, Chad Morris wanted to pick a fight with Joe Moorhead on the recruiting trail. It always seemed that they maybe he thought Joe was weak or wasn't a good recruiter. I don't know if there was beef or whatever, but it always seemed like he wanted to pick a fight with Joe on the recruiting trail. But Joe absolutely destroyed Chad Morris in two ball games on the football field. And sometimes we get it twisted. You know, some people can go, you know, well, it's recruiting. Yeah. Recruiting's the lifeblood of the program, which is true. It's a variable. It's not the only one. But you, you may go out there and you win a couple of victories on the recruiting trail, but you better be careful who you're poking in the face. Joe Moorhead offensively has had some real challenges at Mississippi State. He has had no trouble embarrassing Arkansas. None whatsoever. And so when you see these numbers, and they are comparable to what Arkansas had, and, 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 and you know, talking to you know, some of our defensive guys over the last couple of days, you know, it's like teams forget to tackle during bowl practice. It's been a long time since we played. You know, people forget, you know, we played Thanksgiving night. It's been three weeks. It's been three weeks since we've been on the field and we've had to tackle somebody that was trying to score. Joe says we've been a little more physical in practice during bowl practices. Maybe we have. I hope so. Ball security is a big part of things. Special teams always a big part of things, but it seems like every mistake is magnified in bowl games. And when you have a defense as porous as the Louisville Cardinals do, you certainly can't afford to make any mistakes. Now, there's some people out there. I know there are some uh, Mississippi State fans right now and say, well, Steve, we're not any good on defense either. And you know what? We're pretty mediocre. We've been better, but we're 68th in the country, 68th in total defense. They're over 100. And again, it's so difficult to handicap the Mississippi State defensive effort because of the fact that Lee Autry and Marcus Murphy and Willie Gay only played in four games. Mississippi State, pretty good record in those ball games. You beat Kentucky. You beat Arkansas. You beat Ole Miss. You should have beat Tennessee. You should have beat Tennessee. You get anything offensively in that game, you, you win the ball game. Defense played well enough to win. Offense didn't hold up their end of the deal, and eventually the defense wore down. But you, when you begin to look at what this defense has been able to do at full strength, I think it gives you some confidence to say, you know what, we're going to go out and play well. We have a chance, despite the fact we've had all this adversity, we got a chance to end this year on a high note. And this is an important ball game. This, okay, it's not like we win the Egg Bowl and now we can exhale. No. No, that's not the case at all because, you know, I don't think going six and seven makes anybody feel good about just getting back to a bowl game. You know, one of the things I think is kind of lost in the conversation at times is that Joe Moorhead has not won a bowl game at Mississippi State. Greg Knox won a bowl game. Greg Knox won one in 2017. You remember Joe Moorhead was the coach, but he wasn't involved in any of that stuff. Greg Knox was the interim coach. And last year, Joe Moorhead lost the bowl game, the Outback Bowl, in a game we should have won. And we've said that a lot, okay? And I'm not going to beat Joe up here. 
But there have been several games that, you know, it's been more about our inability to execute than it has been somebody else kind of dictating terms to us. And so we need to go out and win the ball game. We need to go out there and beat Louisville again and get continue this positive trend we got going right now. Because listen, there, we've had a lot of complaining, a lot of things worth of, worth complaining about this season. Again, we mentioned a very difficult October. But let's say you end the season winning four of your last five. You retain the egg again. You win the bowl game. You have a drama-free signing day. You get into February. You finish out your class. You stay in the top 25. You get a head start into the junior recruiting while Ole Miss is still kind of putting the staff together. And then all of a sudden, you're the one writing the narrative. You're the one getting the headlines. You're the one everybody's talking about for the right reasons. That's one of the reasons this bowl game is so important. We're playing in the bowl game for the 10th straight time. But it's not enough just to get there. We've got to go win the game. I don't think anybody's going to look at it and say, you know what, we're just happy to be there and be part of the parade. We've got to go win the game. And when you begin to kind of look at this, okay, we talk about the road to recovery. You know, we're not going to be short-sighted, but we're also not going to rehash the whole thing. We had to deal with this Tudor Gate thing. That was a factor. It wasn't the only factor, but it was a factor. But there were some games we were simply not prepared to play in. We took the full roster up to Tennessee and laid an absolute egg. You know, you win that ball game, and all of a sudden there's not all this, you know, quite as much pressure and, and anxiety down the stretch. You know, we weren't ready to play against Auburn. And listen, there were times against Texas A&M we weren't even lined up properly. You know, when you go look at those quarterback runs, there were times that, you know, Kellen Mond didn't have a decision to make because we weren't we, – we, we lost outside contained. And so we'll be better for those lessons learned next year. But right now, we have to take care of this year. Now, I want to share with you my friends at Campus Bookmart. I will be with them later today. Uh, Campus Bookmart doing a great job providing Mississippi State fans with the latest and greatest Mississippi State fashions. You can get the Egg Bowl Victory shirt at Campus Bookmart. You can get the Music City Bowl shirt at Campus Bookmart. You can get any assortment of Mississippi State-related merchandise at Campus Bookmark. Go in, go see them. Go see the lovely, talented Susie, Stan, the man, Ray, and Miss Kathy Brown. The whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family. But, Mom, let me, let me speak to you, Mom. Listen to me. Turn me up, Mom. I'm speaking to you on behalf of the entire family. Everybody wants that maroon and white gear. That's what they want. They may not have told you, and maybe you've thought, well, maybe. No, there's no maybe. We all want it, Mom. We all want that new Mississippi State jacket. We all want the new Mississippi State shirt. And, you know, we all got, yeah, listen, we husbands are difficult to buy for. We are. We're pretty simple creatures. We don't give you a lot of hints. But we all want that new Mississippi State fleece. That's what we do. You want to make us happy, you buy some maroon and white. You can find that at Campus Bookmart, and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's going to be BSR, Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. 
any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. So many of you, I know, have uh, have purchased Stark Villains, and uh, I have loved, I've had so many people that have come by and shared stories with me, had a great story tonight. Uh, I don't know if it's a full chapter, but hopefully we can work it in. Uh, you know, about a, you know, a Mississippi, former Mississippi State player who was passed on that uh, defended the great Bob Pettit in a ball game in 1953 and uh, made a play of sorts late in the ball game on Pettit to, to put the game away. You know, I enjoy hearing those stories. They're important to me. And, you know, when people sit down, they want to tell me about their families. They want to tell me about their uncles, their dads, their grandfathers. I know sometimes it's difficult for them. But I also know that they're sitting down to talk about that because of the pride they have in their loved ones' contributions to Mississippi State. Uh, I feel that same way about my own father, even though he was not a student athlete here at Mississippi State. My dad, as a matter of fact, he lived in marital housing complex with my mom. My dad worked at the uh, animal husbandry dairy farm, milked cows every day, drove the street sweeper, went through work study, paid his own way through college, got his degree in ag economics with a minor in animal husbandry, and he went to work for Farmers Home Administration, where he worked for 33 years, working to make life better for Mississippi's farmers as best he could. I'm very proud of that, and I'm very proud of the fact that he got his education at Mississippi State. There's a lot of debt that I owe to my dad for all that. And there, I've, I've heard people say many times, you know, why couldn't my dad have gone to Alabama? Or why couldn't my dad have gone to LSU? Well, you know what? There's nothing that says that you can't go ahead and jump ship. If that's how you really feel, you go ahead. Go ahead and get you the, uh, the Crimson Tide shirt. You, there's plenty of them at Walmart. You can line up and do that. Go get you a, you a pack of beef jerky and some Schlitz and and uh, you know, go join the parade, man. But I, I'm proud to be a Bulldog. And so when I have a chance to visit with these folks and uh, get to visit with some great people on signing day, and there's so much of this shared experience, and I think this season in many respects has drawn a lot of us closer. Now, there's a lot of division out there, and you can get on social media, and you can get on the message boards, and listen, that, that's where we make our living. Okay, I'm, I'm not talking negatively about those people. That's the medium that we use a lot of times and the vehicles we use to kind of distribute our content. Because most people simply read. But there, but you, but if you kind of get a false sense of reality when you look at that because most people don't post. Most people don't join the discussion. They just read. And so a lot of people that post are of the very opinionated variety, which is the minority. And there's segments of people that are overly optimistic and there are those that are overly pessimistic. And, and so there's kind of polar opposites. And then those people get together and they have this never-ending discussion about who's right and who's wrong. And you're an idiot. And I love Mississippi State more than you do. And again, I've said many times on the show, we all want the same things. But by and large, I think this is, you know what? You know, we've been through some things this year. We have. And again, we didn't win all the games we expected to win. But here we are again, and we have the egg again, and we're going to our 10th straight bowl game, and that should be the minimum standard. 
the minimum standard for Mississippi State football should be that we beat Ole Miss and we get to a ball game. That should be the minimum. We have achieved the minimum standard this year. Now we have to build upon that. But when I begin to think about what we have coming in at positions of need, we're going to have to get better at receiver. Hopefully Malik Heath can come in and be helping and do a great job for us. Hopefully Jordan Davis and Trey Lawson are as good as advertised because we need some pass rush. Hopefully Tyrus Wheat will come in and be the player we expect him to be. We're going to need him to contribute immediately. I don't think he starts over Errol Thompson or Willie Gay, but I think he is a guy that obviously will come in and and we'll need to be ready to go, be in the rotation. We're losing a lot of linebacker. And that, that position group is going to be in a bit of a transition because Chris Marv is expected to lead the program. I was told earlier this week that he was expected to be offered the defensive coordinator job at Old Dominion. Now, you don't obviously take that job if you have the opportunity to be the linebacker coach at Florida State. But, you know, better than betting man's averages, he's on the move. And you know what? That's okay. That's one of the things that when I begin to look at this, and, and there are so many people that are critics of Joe, and uh, there's nothing that he can ever do right. But, you know, when you look at the people that have left the program, and you had two guys go on to the NFL, Luke Getze and Tim Lukabu go back to the NFL, and they were probably better suited for the NFL. Brian Baker and Charles Huff leave to go to Alabama. And then you have, uh, looks like Chris Marv could be leaving to go to Florida State. It's not like they're leaving and going to Central Michigan, all due respect to the Chippewas. But when you have people leave for what is considered better jobs, it's difficult to fault them for that. I think Mississippi State will be just fine. I think we'll find a linebacker coach. And listen, I know there are a lot of people there, again, back to those polar extremes. There are some people, as soon as they hear that Chris Marv leaves, they, they say, oh, well, he didn't do anything while he was here. And that's not true. It's not true. Did he live up to, to expectations? Probably not. I really thought he would come in and be a much better recruiter. However, he had to navigate some pretty interesting territory with Tyre Sweet, and he got it done. He got it done. And it's obvious that there were already some fielders out there that were probably doing some work for him on his behalf to, to see what interest there was in him for other jobs. And that's okay. I don't think any less of him. I appreciate his contributions to Mississippi State. We're going to go on out and play football next year with or without Chris Marv. But I do appreciate his contributions. I think he is a very bright guy. I think at some point that he will probably work his way into a head coaching opportunity. He's a very, very intelligent guy. But people move on. You know, most assistant coaches at some point want to be head coaches. You know, Tony Hughes is a guy that uh, was a career assistant coach. He had a chance to go be the head coach at Jackson State. He went and had the experience, and uh, he'll never have to look back and say, you know what, well, I wish I'd have had my own show. He did. It didn't work out, but he went and gave it its best shot. We're happy to have him back. And that's one of the things that I begin to think about when we look at kind of the evolution of this ongoing rivalry that we have with Ole Miss. You know, Lane Kiffin is hired and automatically kind of galvanizes the Ole Miss fan base, and listen, hey, good for them. But he's already begun to make some mistakes, and I don't think people fully appreciate that. One of the first things you do is you drop Khalil Benson from South Haven, and you eventually drop Andarius Coffey from Winona. And then you fire Jacob Peeler, and you fire Derek Nix, the guys that are experienced in-state recruiters. And so when I begin to look at how that all unfolds, you know, listen, you've got to win in-state. 
And people say, well, we're going to go recruit nationally. And it's amazing how the coaches that I have seen that have failed at Mississippi State and almost both have come in and said, hey, we're going to go recruit nationally. You know, Ed Orgeron went and recruited nationally and didn't win many ball games at all. Houston not changed his quote recruiting philosophy and was going to go recruit nationally and ended up getting run out of town after a couple of really bad seasons. And so Mississippi State now, I think, has a golden opportunity to really win big in-state. The thing about those in-state kids is they don't, those guys don't transfer. Those guys don't get homesick. Those guys have a lot of pride in the uniform. Those are the guys that are going to be in the Dandy Dozen. Those are the guys that are going to be in the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Game. Those are the guys that are going to get to go to ball games together. They're going to be friends. They're going to go to camps together. They're going to play against each other. They're going to have an esprit de corps. They're going to have a relationship with one another. Those guys will bond together easily because they have had a collective, mutual experience. It's very, very important to understand that. Those that do succeed. Those that don't probably update the resume. And listen, that's one of the things, too. People, we made a lot of fun of Ole Miss for the whole Mississippi Made thing. Okay, and, and we started it. Okay, but it's you know, it's a pretty clever acronym. I mean, it's a hashtag. You know, it's a rallying cry. But you know what? Last year, when, uh, when there was a great class in-state, they used the whole Mississippi Made mantra, and they got, you know, John Rice Plumley, They got Jerry Anui. They got Jonathan Mingo. You know, it worked for them. You go back and look a couple of years ago, and hey, they, they had that great recruiting class that everybody was so excited about. They got A.J. Brown. They got D.K. Metcalf. You know, a lot of the bigger superstars have been the in-state players. And so if they're going to abandon the Magnolia State, I say, hey, let's step up and take it. Because those are the guys, when the game is on the line on Thanksgiving night, they're going to remember who made them a priority. They're going to remember who gave them the opportunity. And so, hey, I said go ahead and recruit national because we have won an awful lot of football games with guys like Elton Jenkins and Charles Mitchell and Jarius Norwood and on down the list, Eric Moulds, many, many others, Sleepy Robinson from Wingfield High School in Jackson. So we can uh, build our nucleus right here at home and then use our border states and other states in our recruiting footprint to kind of supplement where the in-state crop might be a little bit lacking. I am excited about the 2021 cycle. I am excited about the fact that Mississippi State was able to put the majority of their class to bed this week and give them a heads up and a leg up. Because listen, we know where Pelahatchee is. We know where Pisgah is. We know where Hurley, Mississippi is. We know where Wiggins, Mississippi is. We know where Foxworth is. We know where Farmhaven is. Some of those news guys, new, new guys at Ole Miss, they know where Jackson is. You know, we understand that sometimes you're going to have to get into a car and drive down a dirt road and go sit in a single wide trailer across from somebody and explain to them why their, their kids should come to your school. We understand it because that's who we are. We don't need to get on a private jet and go to some palace of a high school somewhere in Dallas, Texas to feel good about ourselves. We understand there's value in places like Azu City. Well, we went and got Fletcher Cox and Caleb Yules. We understand that. And so when I hear these people that suddenly 
maybe they're too good for Mississippi. I say great, because that's exactly who we are and exactly who we want to be. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.